Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. We had a show for uh, one season. Nothing will be ever, ever will be as hard as No, that. I can do anything now. It formed us in a different way. It reshaped so much, and our bond too. Like, mm-hmm. we had to, we had to be strong. And it was so hard that really even testing for a show and not getting it is like a, <laughs> a, a, a hang now. I feel like Teflon now. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard, live from the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal, Canada. Very exciting up here, as always, and I'm really happy to share this episode, part two of Garfunkel and Oates. You're going to love it. They are very inspirational, incredible, individually and together, and as authentic as they come and i just want to take the time as i always do like a broken record to thank you all so much for those first timers welcome thanks for coming in thanks for subscribing and sharing and for those of you who've been to the show many 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 times thank you so much for your support it's incredible i can't even begin to tell you the feedback and everything that happens and the response it's just incredible and it's all because of you guys so thank you so much i really appreciate it and as always i like to do a cold open about my guest that sort of relates to the podcast and the world in terms of entertainment and what they have to offer and when i look at garfunkel and oates i see two people that did something that was really, really interesting. And sometimes I say to myself, when people ask me if they should collaborate with others, I think maybe it's best to create individually on your own, get a platform, get a footing into whatever business you're going into, and then go forward and make a collaboration because every time you add a variable to your life 
whether it be personally or professionally, it can add great, great pleasure and promise to your life or career, or it can add a lot of disappointment, heartache, and stress. And there's a lot of great things that can happen. There's a lot of bad things that can happen. And when I look at Ricky Lindholm and Kate Micucci, I see two people who were doing it really, really well on their own. And then they got together and collaborated and did something that is truly one of the most original and authentic kinds of acts and performances and content that you'll ever see. Truly, truly, unbelievably unique and edgy and artistic and musical. And they both came from similar worlds and similar goals and similar dreams, but none like they do together. And the risks that they took, the content that they created really was something that hadn't been seen in the marketplace. I can't even remember the last time. And yet when it came time to launch their first album entitled All Over Your Face, <laughs> it became number one on the comedy charts. And for somebody like The Tonight Show to put on musical artists, it's very rare. So to get that kind of gig and then to be asked back again by The Tonight Show a year later to have shows developed for them for HBO and IFC really, really shows you that the world is paying attention to these people. Like that great movie with Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. If you build it in an authentic, original, and unique way like they did, you're going to get close to 10 million views on whatever you put out there like they did. And that sounds unattainable to many. I'm sure it sounded unattainable to them. But if you do something great, people take notice. They pass it on. One person tells 10 people. 10 people tell 100. 100 tell 1,000. 1,000 tell 10,000. 10,000 tell 100,000. And 100,000 tell a million. And guess what? That's right. A million tell 10 million. And I can guarantee you, if you can create and forge a partnership that creates something that's unique, special, original, and if you do the kind of things that Ricky Lindholm and Kate Micucci do, and you create the kind of partnership that they have, you're going to have the opportunity to have the kind of career that Garfunkel and Oates have. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Now? Out of the air! 
Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. I would gesture to say there's not one thing that's happened in your Garfunkel and Oates career. Not one thing that's been as bone crushing as testing for a show and not getting it. Disagree. Yeah, so disagree. For sure. Really? What's no bone doubt. crushing? We had a show for uh, one season. It was, it was. Nothing will be ever ever will be as hard as. No, that. I can do anything now. Yeah, I feel like Teflon now. I just feel so. Um, I built up new emotional walls I didn't know I had. But I still feel like I'm my soft self on the inside, but I feel, I don't know, I feel like Teflon a little bit, it's made rejection easier. Because I'm like, well, it doesn't hurt as bad as that. It's so funny. I mean, it's, I, it's, it's hard such to even a, remove that from our it, it DNA is, as a band. It is like, it has become such a, it formed us in a different way. It reshaped so much, and our bond too. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I we think- We got so close. So we, there, there was, we had to we had to be strong and it is like it's it's funny because it's just like it was so hard that really even testing for a show and not getting it is like a a, a hang now what's the biggest thing you learned from that entire experience that when it does happen again for you you won't make the same mistakes. Ricky had her own show immediately after mm-hmm. having our show. We started and the day we started writing the day after we finished uh, editing. And it was really amazing and uh like a relief and sa- there was a lot of like satisfaction in watching that process for mm-hmm. Ricky to go, "Oh my gosh, this is this is amazing. So this is just, it does not have to be 80. It was fun. Yeah. It, Comedy Central is awesome. Like it was just I was like, whoa. And I, I think what I learned is, like, if it feels really bad somewhere up at the beginning, leave. Bail. If it's not, if, it, if you feel that, like, it's not always worth it to have your, you know, you know, have your dream, you know, be on TV. It's very. Like, it's not always, like, just get out. It was, it's hard because, like, looking back, like, you know, we were we were given our own show. So it was like very exciting. And like, you know, we had so much hope and, and so many ideas and like, we were just ready. We were so ready. And I think that it was, you know, looking back, I I don't, I I go, I go back and forth in my brain. Like, what would I tell myself? Like, would I say, just don't do it? Or did we have to go through it? I don't know. I'm actually glad it happened. Yeah, I am too. Because I feel like it prepared, like for another period, it was like, Another period's a TV show. If some people don't know that, I'm not talking about my period. Um, <laughs> it was like nothing was hard. It was like, oh, yeah, fine. Yeah, and notes were... It was fine. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, but there was like one little thought. Like, it was, there weren't, it didn't feel like any, there were any problems. Mm-hmm. I think I would have been a lot more stressed out on that show if we didn't have the first show. I feel like, yeah, it's it's hard to go, like, obviously there is no time machine. But I, I, I sometimes, I was thinking about this while here, I was talking about it with Ricky, because the last time we were here was right before we were about to do our show in Montreal, I should say. And uh, I was wondering what advice I'd give myself, you know? Like, oh, what yeah, you were saying we were that. We talking about this the other day dinner, yeah. And, and I don't know. I think, I think some way, in some way we had to, we were meant to go through that. And uh, yeah, it definitely made us stronger in, in everything we do. 
I want to go way back and figure out where you guys grew up. What was the socioeconomic dynamic and what was your first inspiration of getting into this business and then follow that up with your first big break? Wow. Okay. Um, well, I was mostly raised in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, a very small town in uh, eastern Pennsylvania. And yeah, I always just like Hollywood and movies, like I, watching Entertainment Tonight at seven o'clock every day. Like I was just enamored by old movies like the TNT used to play Judy Garland movies a lot I was like I just couldn't get enough of old Hollywood I love Lucy Lucy from it's still to this day is my favorite show I've seen it I don't know how many times over Um, I always named like I was I was just watching an old video of me at 13 videoing my bedroom and then I was like and these are my fish and they're named all after comedians but I don't say the names I wish I knew I know one was Lucy (laughs) Uh, but like I was just I was enamored by comedy I was enamored by Hollywood and I would make movies with my brother, which I also watched those the other day. Oh, so embarrassing. Uh, but that's what you do when you're 13 and you have a camcorder. But um, yeah, so I think I just grew up making stuff. I, I also grew up playing classical piano and uh, competitively. But then, so yeah, I had this like very intense training with music that I fought every step of the way, but I'm super grateful for now. And um, yeah, because yeah. we work the same way because of that. Yeah, Ricky has, I mean, well, I yeah. grew up playing the flute and it, yeah, we have the same practice mentality. And here's a like crazy fun fact about us um, is that we both went to the same music camp when I was 10 and Ricky was 11 in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. But you didn't know each other. No, though. no, we didn't. Re- we didn't figure it out until like two years into working together. Did you see one of those large photos with the whole we camp? I tried and- to find it. it, it it's somewhere. Or like somebody sent it to us. Somebody went. Oh to my the gosh! Camp, please, yeah, the group photo. If anyone went to Mansfield Music Camp in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> And your first big break? Um, oh, man, it's so funny because I can go, oh, I thought this was my big break. I thought this was my big break. Uh, my first TV show was, like, a very exciting thing for me, which I went in and did. It was a, my first sitcom audition. It was, like, three lines as a barista in a show called Four Kings. It was starring Seth Green. The show wasn't on the air yet. I went in, and I was like, this is it. This is, like, I've always wanted to be in a sitcom. This is a sitcom audition. I can do this. And I got the part. And then at the table read, it went so well that Max and David, um, the same guys that had Will and Grace on the air, and now again have Will and Grace on the air, um, they they said that table read went great. Like, I think we're going to bring you back. And so I ended up doing about seven episodes of that show. And uh, it was just like the most exciting. Like, so even though that's maybe like not like a break, because the show actually didn't ultimately... It, all of the episodes didn't even air, but... That was your first audition. My first sitcom audition. Yeah. What is it about you guys that every <laughs> single first thing you do, it's insane. It's that beginner... We both have crazy beginner's luck, but then... Yeah. Uh, then it gets then, hard. Then it gets hard, <laughs> yeah. Then, then the challenges come like everyone else. It evens out. Yeah, but I think that that was like just for me a, a chance to every day for like two or three months to go to a studio and, and rehearse in a the sitcom form. I love sitcoms. It's like... To, to act in them, it's so much fun, and so yeah, I I think that was like my first my first big thing. Ricky, oh, I was gonna say I think it's for you and I. I don't think either of us had one single big break. I think we mm-hmm. had a series of awesome little breaks. Like, you know, Million Dollar Baby could be a big break, um, but then. 
that wasn't like a launching pad. So it it's so I don't know. There's been like a series of things that just sort of have slowly added up. I guess I think in some way that it, I mean it's obviously would be so great if there was one thing we were like oh my gosh and our lives changed like that. Right. Every year was just a little bit more exciting and a little bit mm-hmm. more and we pushed harder and we worked harder. And so you grew up in the same oh, area. And I, yeah, I grew up like an hour and a half, two hours south of Buffalo in a town of a thousand people called Portville. Um, pretty tiny, tiny town. Um, socioeconomically, we were, I guess, you know, more on the poor side I don't know, I don't know, uh, when I was a baby. And then by the time I graduated high school, we were like definitely middle class, upper middle class in that, in that vein. Um, so yeah, my, my dad's an entrepreneur and it was all about sort of steady growth. And what was your inspiration? What were you watching that made you want to be a part of the business? It was the state. Because I didn't, I wasn't exposed to that much growing up. Like, we didn't have cable until I was, like, 15. But I was always in, like, community theater and things. And I always, like, kind of wanted to be an actress. But it was so uh, far away from reality. And then when we got cable, I started watching the state. And I was like, oh, you can do anything. Like, they they would just have, like, a talking mailbox or, you know, just anything they wanted to do. And I was just like, I don't know what it is about that, but that's, I want to be that, whatever that is. And then when I had my show, I cast as many state people as possible because I I was always, like, starstruck and giddy. David Wayne played my husband on the show. I was like, yay, you know. All right, tell me about how it is with relationships and performing and how you mix your personal life with personal relationships i mean i feel like yeah you figure things out or I, each year i would learn a new thing uh but i i tend i was always kind of worried to date somebody who had a lot going on because i felt like i had a lot going on and i thought maybe it'd be like easier to either be single or to find someone who would be just excited about what i was doing if that makes any sense but i actually just got married and uh uh, I don't know. So far, so good. We, we've only been married for five months, but it's going great. And so he's touring. He's right now touring way more than I. He's, he's touring with Beck, and uh, he's a music producer. Definitely understands kind of just like you know entertainment and you know what I do, but still, it's like separate enough that I think we both find each other's things very exciting. So yeah, I don't know. So far, it feels really great, and it's really exciting to be with someone who's uh, like just so talented, and you know. I, I don't know. It's so I'm I'm still figuring it out. I don't have any answers, but I'm I'm having a good time. When I was show running another period, that was a hard time because during this period of time we were I was show running during the day and then we would do press in the mornings for the Garfunkel and Oates show and we toured every weekend. So at that point it was just like impossible to I remember going on one date and then we had a second date and he goes, do you know it's been a month since I've seen you? And I did not realize. I was like, okay. So when at show running times, that was very hard. But then when I have sort of downtime, it's nicer. Like now I have a boyfriend now and he's pretty great. Yeah, I think, I mean, it is hard. Like there have been chunks of time when we were touring every weekend, you know, like mm-hmm. wor- working during the week. It's, it's yeah. It, it's harder to form something solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, you just don't have enough time even just for your own self, let alone to give to another person and build something. I think that's the thing is like having the time to actually build a base before you can then go off and and do things. It was really hard to find that time. Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. 
It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to BarryCats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey everybody, I've talked a lot about AquaTrue on this show, the amazing water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler in your home that purifies the water in a way that no one else has ever figured out how to do. It's this incredibly efficient piece of equipment and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. You just take it out of the box, plug it in, put your tap water in it, and it takes out all the bad chemicals and gives you the best and healthiest water you can ever imagine, saving you thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store. I have one at my house and office, and everyone who uses it orders one, and you should too. Just go to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, and if you act now, you can get $100 off and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had, and never waste another dollar buying bottled water again. What's your biggest fears professionally and your biggest fears personally? I feel like every woman I know has the same fear, and it's that you can't have both. Mm -hmm. That's like the fear. It's like you can't be ambitious and have someone love you. You can't have both. Like, I don't know if that, I don't think that's necessarily true, but it's just if, you know, it's a fear we're all, you know, we're all told subconsciously our whole lives that we can't have both, or women are, and so. Yeah, or like starting families too. I think that like, that is a big fear. Cause I definitely want to have kids and it's like, well, then where does your time, how do you do it? I don't know. You lose time or you lose your speed of, of, of making things and being available. And like, that's a, that's a big fear, I think. What's your process from cradle to grave in creating a routine or a song? Well, yeah, I guess really a, a song, like just approaching us starts out with a premise. Yeah. We'll think of, you know, we, we end up throwing away a lot of premises, but we'll think of something like the, the loophole one. And then we'll, we'll try to find a title for the song because that for songs that's sort of if you don't have a title then you don't have the first line of the court you don't have anything so if you can find like the way to to distill it down to one kernel of an idea yeah what is that what is that hook that chorus that that thing that when we hit it it's gonna be like aha that that moment in the song if we get that if we mm -hmm. get that like bit that like heart of the song then we can build around it and then, and then is it sustainable for for four or five minutes yeah with a song you have to have you know 50 jokes about one topic so it's like is that it's not always sustainable so we just brainstorm like mm -hmm. we 
literally have just long word documents of, mm-hmm. of just ideas and paragraphs on things like nothing that's rhyming it's just ideas and it's just like throwing everything into one one place and then for us Ricky usually takes that document and starts to formulate lyrics mm-hmm. uh, she's like the is a wordsmith is that, is that it <laughs> I, I'm like I'm not that good with words know, yeah. a wordsmith yeah. uh, but like she can craft this amazing first draft that then I usually take and like try to like figure out a bit of a melody then we come together and we start chipping away so and that wasn't always the way we wrote songs but I'd say mm-hmm. for the past five six years it's sort of become the the process for us and so what you're saying is you Ricky mainly spend time on the lyrics mm-hmm. And Kate, you mainly spend time on the music. Yes, and I think it really the the brainstorm is a lot of us being just together and and just like over lunches and dinners and just talking, 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 typing, typing, and then yeah, then Ricky goes and does lyrics. I'll go and do a pass of the melody, but then we all kind of start doing this. Mm-hmm. What's the moment for you both that happened where you said to yourself? we did it this is really happening where's money coming in and we're not looking back i don't know if it was the money coming in part but the not looking back part i feel at least for me was probably that trip to montreal do you think where we were like oh this is something we just we had met so many comedians on that trip people saying oh when we're back to la do my show do my show Mm -hmm. it was it felt like something really solidified then. So definitely wasn't money coming in, but it was a, a no looking yeah. back moment for me. But I think our second album is probably when money started coming in mm-hmm. and things just started to kind of form. You know, we got like varieties, top 10 comics to watch and Comedy Central special and these things that these sort of rites of passage and they all, it kind of crystallized it. And that's when we're like, I guess this is a thing it's yeah. real just between you two Garfunkel and Oates I want you to pretend you're writing on a napkin and you're writing on a napkin what your next goal is you want us to I know. write them and read them or I do it together yeah we say it the same time. yeah ready one two, two three. three write a musical write a Broadway musical Dude, I was trying uh, to I didn't know you were saying right I was saying Broadway musical yeah. <laughs> we want to write a musical yeah we failed at the to the unison thing but, yeah. but then again we're we're running on four hours of sleep <laughs> Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some names or some topics okay. and just tell me a sentence, a story, whatever it might be. Swearing. That's all you. I'm very comfortable swearing. Yeah, I didn't swear until I was in an acting class at 25 and my teacher was like, why didn't you swear in the the scene? There's swear words in the scene. And I was like, I, I, I just don't swear. And she was like, you're an actor. You're going to have to learn how to swear. And it was a like, big deal for me, which is so funny now. But And then once you start singing swear words, it becomes easier to say them in your actual life. <laughs> so yeah, much more comfortable now. Fuck it. No. <laughs> Tim Robbins. Oh, I love Tim Robbins. He was, kind of, well, I would say that was my first break you know, I don't know. I don't know if I call it big break, but you know, he cast me in a play that he wrote and directed, and eventually was in at the Actors Gang, which is where I met you. And it was just like it was kind of life changing. I was really uh, on my own in LA. I moved there not knowing anyone, and I was I just had no tether 
as Ted, Ted, you know, and then I, you know, got to join this theater company and we ended up going to the public theater in New York and London. And I got to do this show eight times a week. And it really made me feel for the first time like a professional. And I had to sort of figure out my professional methods, like how much rest I need, how much, how many times I have to run my lines, how much focus, how much, you know, how to get that solid performance at night. How much caffeine? Every night, how much caffeine? Every, like, <laughs> but that's part of it, you know? Would you mind explaining to our audience? Because I think it's really fascinating about Tim Robbins, which a lot of people don't know. He runs this place called the Actors Gang in Culver City in this beautiful old building. But he has a method of acting, which is almost like something from 300, 400 years ago. He teaches the art of, if I could simplify it, the expression of your eyes and your mouth and how that intention and movement creates emotion with your audience. Mm -hmm. I played a Commedia character in that play. So I got to do Commedia dell'arte for money for a year and a half. It was amazing. It's great training. I, I go back to it a lot whenever I have to you know it's called there's you know there's states happy anger fear and sad and he'll just go state state it's deeper than that it's like it means like you're happier than that you're sadder than that you're more scared than that you think there's more states but that's all <laughs> they're kind of you know there's shades in within those states but really in comedia there's just pure states and those are yeah and tim you know he did tell me he's like if, if you're ever if it's not if the acting is not going well for a minute that's when you write he's like you always use your time creatively because He's always doing something, writing, directing, just making things. And, you know, he could have coasted. He won Oscars. He could have just acted. Instead, he runs a theater company. Naming uh, the group. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to name a band. But uh, we had a lot like, about our dynamic. Totally. We had a few really like weird names. One was like mm. three to one mezzanine, which was like an inside yeah. joke or something. And then uh, and then Ricky. It was like, it has to be Garfunkel and Oates. And I was like... That was the first one I pitched. Yeah. And Kate was like, I don't know. I was like, it just seems so confusing. People are going to think we're one of these guys or both of these guys. It's very long. The spellings could be tricky. We it's could just, get sued. Yeah, there was so much yeah. that I was like, this just seems really complicated. And then we were recording those first songs with uh, with Nick, mm -hmm. or my friend Nick. And you guys were working and I had to go do a dinner meeting. And I remember my phone just kept blowing up during this dinner meeting. I'm at this Chinese restaurant on Pico. And I was like, I'm sorry. I, I think something might be up. I, I need to take this call. So I go out in the parking lot and it's Ricky and Nick going, Nick, Nick on the phone going, are you kidding me? That is the best name ever. You've got to do this. Yeah, because I was recording my songs and Nick was like, what's your band name? And I was yeah. like, we don't have one. I was like, I want to call it Garfunkel and Oates. And he stops. He's like, yes, yes, it has to be. And I was like, right, it has to be. He's like, it's, it's, he's like, we have to call her. We have to tell her. Like, I'm telling her that's the name. Could you tell our audience why Garfunkel and Oates? Because it's the, you know, the two most famous second bananas. And it just felt right. <laughs> it just felt right. I don't know. From Hall and Oates and Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, and there are two bands we're really big fans of, too. There so. are so many things we can trace to our name into getting lucky breaks. For example, that night at the, at, um, the Laugh Factory that we kept talking about, that was us uh, being mistaken for actually... Uh, actual Garfunkel notes. That's so why we got that gig. We would never have been in between Ron White and Stephen Wright <laughs> had they known it was two girls in their 20s with a ukulele and a guitar. <laughs> but that was a lucky break. It was just a lot. And then also, uh, John Oates wrote us on MySpace, mm -hmm. MySpace and was like, I see you took my name. 
and we <laughs> beers every time I come to your shows. Mm-hmm. And then we opened for him. Literally, that was like yeah. maybe our third show ever. Yeah, and we're going to see him on Tuesday. Yes, oh, he's no. a friend. We love yeah. him so much. He's like such a wonderful, wonderful man. Mm-hmm. And uh, what about Art Garfunkel? Have you met him? No, <laughs> we never have. I don't know if he's heard of us or not, but I would love to meet him. Yeah. I just want to share another groundbreaking product with you. It's a revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates. And I'm talking about the air doctor. The air inside our home can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside. But with the air doctor, you don't have to worry about it as it removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses and so many other contaminants that circulate throughout our homes. Till now, the only thing that could come close to this product were systems that cost thousands of dollars. But now you can get the Air Doctor for a fraction of the cost, normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your home. I'm telling you, I have this product. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. Jay Leno. So uh, first late night. Yeah, that was our first... Yeah, that was so exciting. I know that it was like, it's well, this is the thing about not being um, we so entrenched in the comedy world is I don't think we were particularly invested in the Conan Leno thing. We didn't know what was going on. Really, I don't I don't know. We weren't. So when they asked us to be on The Tonight Show, we just said yes. And I know some people were like, you can't do that. Yeah. And we're like, we don't know Conan. Like, what What do you mean? This is, we're doing The Tonight Show. And it was a blast. And it's crazy because the first time we ever played The Tonight Show, they had asked us to write a song about Christmas. So we wrote a song called Year End Letter. We had never played the song perfectly in <laughs> life, yet we went on live television and we sang this song. Like, to, the idea of doing that today is insane. We never got totally it Totally unprepared. I and we walked out on the stage thinking. live on TV and sang the song, <laughs> terrified. And you killed. Yeah. And I was wearing Cloris Leachman's necklace. I'll never forget it. Doug Benson. Our godfather. We love Doug Benson. Yeah. He's really the reason we became friends. I met Doug Benson on Friendster. I met Doug at commercial auditions, then at a night at Largo. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And he said, whenever you want to come see the show. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then I went and I went the same night as Kate. Yeah. Serendipitous. Mm -hmm. We met in in the lobby of UCB. And it's then that we didn't know that would become our home, but it did. He's also very encouraging. Like, he had us on his podcast really early. Like mm-hmm. he really, um, yeah, he's been a he's the best. very positive force in our comedy lives. A guy who I have enormous amount of respect for, Mike Berbiglia. Oh, I love Mike Berbiglia. He's yeah, I feel super grateful. He's he he thought of me for for that movie. Don't think twice, which I think is I I, I feel like. Even if I wasn't in that movie, it would be one of my favorite movies. It's just such a sweet story and it feels so true to what it's like to be a creative person or just a person pursuing your dreams, you know? So I felt really lucky. Uh, he called me and said, would you want to do this? And uh, I got to be in an improv group with some of the best improv with in, my, in the world. And we were doing shows in New York City and I was thrown into this whole thing and it was just uh, really amazing and such a great experience. And he... He, we were actually talking about Mike last night. Mm-hmm. I think he's just one of the most amazing storytellers that yeah, exists. Yeah, because we saw that Hannah Gadsby show last night, mm-hmm. and we were like, oh, it, there is, like, that 
for big element where they can weave the things together. I feel like Mike is a young Woody Allen. He's really <laughs> great. Conan O'Brien. I just did something yeah. with Conan two weeks ago. It was really fun. Um, uh, I did a thing where I played Black Widow and Conan was Batman and he was trying to sit with the Avengers at our lunch table. <laughs> we were like, we don't think so. It was really fun. Yeah. Is Keegan He's was a, in that. Right? Keegan yeah. was in that. We're all, we're all connected. Keegan Michael Key. Oh my gosh. We, we, we've both worked with him. Yeah. You were in Hell Baby with him, yeah. and I did Don't Think Twice with him, and and we and yeah, Keegan is just so talented. It's a little, it's like kind of off crazy. the charts. <laughs> He's amazing. Like you never want to be like that's the most talented person I know because we know so many talented people, but he is right up there, and he's so energetic. Yes, he's just he has more energy than we do. Combined. Yeah. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. I was just watching flipping channels, and I saw him on an old episode of uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? And I was like, oh, my God. He's just so good. Yeah. <laughs> Natasha Leggero. Oh, she's, you know, life changer for me. She, we, um, Natasha and I became friends, actually, because Kate couldn't go to Senegal. Yeah. <laughs> I was going on a trip to Senegal for malaria no more. And Kate and I were supposed to go. And then Kate couldn't go. And I ran into Natasha at an audition. And she asked me what I'm up to. I'm like, oh, I'm going to Senegal. And she's like, oh, I want to do something like that. And I was like, well, Kate, today I can't go. Like, do you want me to ask them? And we're sitting there before we went in, not focusing on our audition. And I called them and they said, we'd love to have Natasha go. And so she was like, great. She went and she got her immunity shots. And we were off a few days later. And she and I just bonded there and we had to make a comedy video together and we'd never worked together and we sort of formed these personas for the video and um we really liked these the way like our dynamic and then we started talking about uh, a show together and that's how that all crystallized upright citizens brigade ucb our first home really we had our monthly show there i knew neil who was running the theater and he had said to me if ever you have anything you want to do let me know and so when we started performing I said I think we could do this at UCB and we did a, a what is that night called where you do a half an hour uh, I don't know oh shoot we like we we did the half hour version of our show and um, and that went well and then yeah then they said do you want to have a monthly show here so we did it yeah and it was every it was the first Friday of every yeah. month 8pm and we would make gift bags this was Ricky's idea yeah I was trying to brand us. I was like really into. I was. I think I was a little ahead of the curve. We had t-shirts before we had ever like done a show. It was kind of crazy. Yeah, I had Kate come over one day and I was like, "You," because she's such a good artist. And I was like, "You got to make us a logo." I'm getting all this stuff scanned in. Like we, I physically yeah. scanned in all her drawings. She was like, "Now draw a picture of a guitar. Now draw a picture of a <laughs> flute." And I was like, "Okay, okay," which is like in the beginning our dynamic totally. Yeah. <laughs> and and then yeah, you scanned all that yeah. all the drawings. And I got us t-shirts and we handed them out to the first ten people because if they're waiting in line, then they're obviously fans and they'll probably wear the shirts and then when they got in every every seat had a gift bag with kazoos and Candy lighters and, and all of garfunkel garfunkel and it's just branded stuff yeah. yeah glee with dick jokes oh yeah this, it was so funny attack of the show yeah we were they asked us to describe our tv show that was about to come out and we said it's like glee with dick jokes and the bleeping was late because that show was live and it said, so I said, it's like Glee with Dick Beep. Like, it was like, Beep. And, and my mom called. She was like, Dick what? Like, Glee with Dick what? Like, what, is, what are you saying? And I was like, jokes. They just beeped the wrong word. It was, 
Yeah. Glee with dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I noticed that you guys never fear naming things like another period. Secretions. Yeah. There, there's always something that has to do with moisture. <laughs> <laughs> what is that all about? I, we just think it it's funny. Well. It's like like that little bit of uncomfortable, like, ooh, that is kind of just funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also like the word moist. I know some people don't like it. Yeah. I, I like it. It reminds me of cake. <laughs> I, like it. I think I go, my brain goes somewhere else. But yeah. <laughs> so that explains the song Cake by the Ocean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Your proudest moment in show business. You could say Ricky's proudest moment and she could say yours and okay. see if she gets it right. My proudest moment of you in show business, just from knowing you, was uh, during the Garfunkel and Ocho experience. It's so funny. I was just going there too. Yeah. So as, as you just like transformed almost it was like not that you have ever been like you know worried about what people thought but you definitely sort of went from like uh more concerned about it to like didn't give a fuck and then you're like yeah i'm doing this movie i'm at like you started doing stuff that scared you you did Mm -hmm. the biglia thing you did that little hours you did nude scenes you were just like kind of like fuck it like this is like being scared is not working. It's funny because my brain went to the Garfunkel Notes TV show as well for you because like we like truly surviving that and coming out and still being a, a strong creative person is like it was uh, the fact that you went right into another show literally the day after. Uh, I think that yeah, it's so funny as hard as that was, and we were saying how it really was something that we probably shouldn't have to go through it really is maybe the thing we're most proud of mm-hmm. you know in some way in some weird turn yeah just like handling that and then like not letting it yeah affect us stop us for a second if anything just making us stronger and building us yeah. to how we create now so yeah that's so weird that mm-hmm. we both thought the same thing last question what advice both of you do you have for the young person growing up in a small town in Pennsylvania or wherever it is and watching and being inspired by the entertainment business what can they do to figure out a way to get to the next level and have the kind of amazing extraordinary careers that you both have had individually and together as Garfunkel and I would I would say figure out your process because I, at least for me, when I started, it took me a long time to figure out what time of day I wrote best. What, what if I needed to be in a crowded room or a, like, it's the thing you can do when you're at home. If you're in a town of a thousand people, you can figure out, oh, do I write best at two in the morning? Do I, you know, try stuff out. You can experiment on yourself before you move to the city. You can, you can generate things on your own. You can make things and fail and no one will be looking. You know, you can just, just like use that time to, you know, fail privately. <laughs> instead of moving out and being like, now what do I do? Like, come out knowing what you want, who you are. And also the internet has changed everything. It didn't exist when, like the way it does now when we were young and making things, but you can, you have this platform basically with one device where you can put your material out into the world. And so I just like share the stuff you make and, you know, uh, just keep making things. I think like, you know, I, I, I guess it is different. I, I think with, with, People like I feel like had those movies I made at 13 or 14 that I watched recently. Had I put them online, I don't know that that would have been the greatest thing. But uh, but I just think it's really important to share share the things you make. So 
make a lot of stuff and, and share it, however that is, whether it's not go putting it online, but with, with people. Ricky Lindholm, Kate McCucci, Garfunkel notes, you guys, this has been really, really extraordinary. I'm emotional because this has been really so great. You gave so much and I didn't expect that you would give so much to the audience and you did. And it was so heartfelt and so emotional, but funny and unique. And I learned so much and I know the audience will too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, and one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on Marvin Frank, 365, May 18th, 2018. The heading reads, The New Format, Five Stars. And the comment is, I really enjoy Barry's show, but really do not like it being split. So much that I will just wait until Thursday to listen. All right, Marvin Frank, 365. I appreciate the feedback. I happen to like it better this way because I tend to be long-winded and it's a way to break things up so it's not so difficult to hear the whole thing but I appreciate the feedback and it means a lot to me and you are a winner and that wraps up part two of our podcast I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Wondery. Check out their lineup of some of the greatest podcasts in the world at Wondery.com. And Aquatrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code BEAR and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I Killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And Good Company, an extraordinary web series on YouTube that host Scott Bowling created, where you can watch music interviews with incredible artists talking openly about their journey in the music business. If you like a great in-depth music interview where you can hear about each album in chronological order and what the artist experienced along the way, this is the show for you. Interviews with incredible talents like Michael Sweet from Striper, Clinton Lejean from Seven Dust, 
Brian Head Welsh from Corn, Elias from Nonpoint, Mikey from Islander, Sonny from POD, and Rich Ward from Fozzy and Stuck Mojo, just to name a few. Check out Good Company on any social media outlet under Good Company with Bowling or go to www.scottgoodcompany.com. And finally, Boku Superfoods, the purest, most potent, and delicious certified organic, kosher, and vegan superfood blends on the planet. Boku Superfood is changing the game for thousands of people in 65 countries with their incredible formulated powers that you just add any liquid to and make the healthiest drinks or smoothies in the world. Just go to BokuSuperfood.com. That's B-O-K-U Superfood.com. Look for the three-pack trial. Enter the promo code Barry at checkout. Just pay a minimal shipping fee and get a full week's supply of Boku Superfood for free. I guarantee you'll look and feel better and understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. And here's a preview of the next very special episode. Victor Levin. Don't just write, but also make. You know, go out and make a short film. It isn't anywhere near as expensive as it used to be. Go out and make videos. Find a place to post it where people can see it. You know, don't don't require uh, a reading from a person in power. You know, don't don't uh, turn someone into a guardian of the gate. Just knock the gate over with something great. You know, make it. Go find the camera, use your phone, whatever it takes. Make it because it that will show off your writing. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money. Drop that fancy car. All the people love you. Cause you're going for life is for the dreamers. They have all to gain. It's never quite over. So it all feels the same. You pick your own poison, dig your own grave down in the valley. Fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.